Was I supposed to go first? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brad gave you the template. You didn't see oh. the template? You're oh, saying Ben Dudley. Well, that's what happens when you put Portland Timber co-chaplains Ben Dudley and Troy Reedy on the same podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Rev Brad. And today on From the Touchline, Ben and Troy joined me in a special phone interview. With Portland winning the MLS's back tournament last week, I wanted to try and get these guys on the phone right away and talk a little bit more about the team, the tourney, and what the rest of the season might look like for the Timbers. And there are a few special moments, including a special fishing story and a prayer in Tajik. So go get your plaid shirt, a hard hat, and an axe, because we're going to start chopping away after this. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net! Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have! He has the hat trick! The second in his career! The third of the night! Hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're at the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! Troy and Ben, welcome to the podcast today. Ben, you made me feel so guilty a couple weeks ago. I figured we needed to have you back on as soon as possible. And with the Timbers winning the MLS's back tournament, what better excuse? So welcome, guys, today. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks. Uh, hey, can you repeat is... what you just said, Brad? Brad, Brad. Oh, what was no. that last thing you said about the Timbers? Something when? It, what was that part? Can you say that again? Well, yeah, it, it, it cut out on my end as well. We're going to get to the Timbers winning the MLS. Oh, back tournament. Yes. Uh, yes, I know, I know. It. That was it. You oh, guys are so proud sure about I that. It. I, I'm I'm proud for you. I'm happy for you. I think there's some debate around the league whether it's a legitimate tournament. We'll talk about that a little bit later, though. So, oh, man. <laughs> no, um, no, I I uh, I'm glad for you guys. And uh, as as you know, I I love uh, I love your crew that you guys serve, and uh, have had the opportunity to pray for them before. Um, and uh, there's some neat neat people that you get to work with in the Portland organization. But today, I want to welcome first time to the pod, Troy Reedy. Troy, you're co-chaplain with Ben, and Troy, unlike Ben, you grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and so you've got a little bit bigger stake to claim there um, growing up in, in Washington, wasn't it? Yep, Spokane, Washington. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about growing up and and where you grew up and and just kind of how you got into soccer and and where you are today. Well, um, yeah, I was born born in Spokane, and uh, back in the days when MLS was non-existent, actually, and and from an early age, I mean, I was kind of crazed crazed soccer boy. So um, I can tell you way too many stories that you wouldn't want to hear, but I mean, I would, my mom recounts me having about 30 different soccer balls in my twin sized bed every night that I went to sleep. And, um, (laughs) I was, I was the kid that in kindergarten had a training booklet and regiment, you know, waking up before going to kindergarten and putting myself through, uh, drills. So I remember her in the back back window of our house in her bathrobe, just looking out the window and kind of shaking her head like, what, who is this kid? But that, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a big part of my upbringing was just 
um, there's this internal drive and love for the game that, um, yeah, that, that eventually led me to, um, playing in the semi-pro, um, league that, that Spokane had at the time, the Spokane shadow, a USL, not a USL, PDL team throughout high school and then university of Washington. And then eventually you'll have to, you'll have to edit this part out, but I was drafted by the Seattle Sounders. Um, Uh, Actually, you don't have to, you don't have to edit it out because I said no and went to Norway instead and then, (laughs) and then came back and joined the Timbers. So I gave him, you know, I gave him the talk to the hand. So you have to explain this Spokane that's Sounders territory. Did did you grow up being a Timbers fan, even though you were in Spokane? I mean, how what did that look like to go play for a rival, to play really for the enemy, to go play for the Timbers? Well, you'll know better than I. Was it 90, 95 that the, that the league began? 95, 96? Yeah. 95. Yeah, 96 was MLS. 96. And the A-League, I forget, it was called yeah. the A-League at the time. It was, yeah. Um, and Portland and Seattle were both part of that. That's right. So, yeah, honestly, growing up, they're just, you know, that was, I would have been, I would have been 16, year old, 16 years old already by that time. So, you know, it was, it was, it was watching games, but not really, not really caring, um, at the University of Washington, several of my teammates went into eventually the A League before you know um, before the, there was the transition. But yeah, there wasn't any at that point. There wasn't any deep sense of rivalry, at least in my in my you know experience. Although obviously it dates way further back. But um, and the Sounders actually drafted you, right? And and you said they, no. <laughs> this is uh this is how far things have come. I I was drafted by the Sounders after my senior year and um I don't know if the I don't I don't know where the draft even happened or how it happened. I just know I was told by someone later to look on some website and apparently I had been quote unquote drafted, but I think, (laughs) I think that that sort of meant it was a glorified, like, Hey, we really want you to probably come try out and earn a spot on the team and make 500 bucks a month. Oh yeah. If you could land a big contract. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so you turned down sounders, uh, for Norway. Talk, talk about going to Norway and, and what, what was, how did you get connected into Norway and getting over there? Well, we both, both um, at that time, my wife and I were married after my senior season at the University of Washington, and we, um, we've, we've just sensed a heart to serve in and amongst the Muslim world. And there was, um, I had a Norwegian teammate, which was kind of the, the inroads on the soccer side, but there was also, there was also a peace and reconciliation work happening in Norway between um, Jews, Jordanians, and Palestinians. And so we, we simultaneously went to Norway to kind of get our feet wet with that, explore, is this, is this something that would, you know, be a good fit ministry-wise? And um, so while, while it was an amazing work that 
uh, that was happening there. It wasn't necessarily exactly what we were feeling like was our giftings. Um, and then, and then on the soccer side, though, there were, uh, several of the clubs interested. It was just, I could never, we could never get a work permit to, um, to stick. And so that's when, that's when actually when we came home and, and different parties were working on the work permit was when I trialed with, uh, the timbers. And well, that's what a, what a story <clears throat> to have there. And just, um, I mean, Troy, you, you do hold, and I think you know this, but you hold a distinction amongst all soccer chaplains, United chaplains of playing football at the highest levels. I mean, not only playing for Portland and, and trying to get on in Norway, but you played internationally also in mm. Tajikistan for, let, let me try and pronounce this team, Vikesh Kurgan Tepa. Is, is that, did I even uh, get close? Well, I was, I was, I was primed up to say, wow, that was really good. But no, that was, uh, that was quite, <laughs> actually, Kurgan Tepa, <laughs> you were spot on, although recently the city has been re- renamed to Bokhtar. And Vach is the um, is the name of the team, but yeah, those are those are sounds we typically don't make in English. So I'll give you, oh my I'll give you the due <laughs> grace. <laughs> do, do you ever have Ben like try and pronounce some of those Tajik words that you know and like just laugh he's, at him too? He's, or? he's fluent, Brad. The guy oh. is unbelievable. He must be a linguist or something. Wow. I feel bad. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe I should have pronounced it. Maybe I should have just turned it over to you and said, hey, could you pronounce the, the name of the team? So pronounce it once again for us in the correct, uh, even though they've gone through the name change. What what was the team that you played for? The uh, Bach in Kurgan Tepa, Tajikistan. Okay. Wow. And so yeah. that sounds exactly like how I would have said it. Cool. That's, that's I know. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you two are ridiculous. Um, Troy, though, you not only played for for the team, but you ended up playing a huge part of like developing out soccer in Tajikistan, right? Can you can you share a little bit about what that looked like and and what you were able to do? And yeah, I don't know about a huge part in developing, but certainly there was some some really. Uh, exciting inroads that were opening. Um, we uh, we launched to Tajikistan. So I played with the Timbers 2006, 7, 8. And during that time, we were in preparations for what we sensed at the time to plant our family, which was myself, my wife, and our seven-month-old um, in Tajikistan for the next 10 to 15 years. And so we, we landed there in 2009 and it was just, it was really, it was really clear to me um, within that first year that, you know, even, even in playing in the, in the local villages and things in a small city. And obviously as a foreigner, you're just, you know, you're such an anomaly as is, but there were, there were from the get go, some invites, Hey, you should come play for the, the the city professional team but it was just really clear that that it wasn't time um to to try to do that um but about a year passed and then and that's when things did feel like the right timing and um you know i it was it was you know you talk about just football 
music, some of these things as world languages. And I just, one of, one of the most, um, one of the most powerful moments of our time in Tajikistan was after the first year of, you know, just the, the expected challenges of new life and a new culture. Sometimes there's water, sometimes there's electricity. You don't know where to go. You don't know how to say anything. You don't know how to do anything. Um, there was all of that that was just the constant, you know, daily grind of learning a new language and these sort of things. And, and I just remember at one point when I finally um, was in my first kind of training session with this team where all of that had been the consistent, can't do this, don't know how to do that. You know, the second of stepping on the field and just this kind of feeling of relief of like, ah, but I know how to do this. Mm, and, sure. um, and immediately, you know, where, where maybe there were people as I was in the marketplace, you know, trying to stumble through words and, you know, they lose their patience or wonder, why aren't you fluent? You've been here for nine months already. Um, yeah. being on a team with 30 other peers and by way of being able to do something with the soccer ball, all of a sudden I had 30 like friends that, that wanted to, you know, help me through language and wanted to show me, you know, how to do things culturally appropriately and these sort of things. So, um, yeah, so that's a, that's a side trail, but a really powerful moment. And, um, and then opens, you know, the way to play in the, on the team for about a year and a half. Um, and before, before I, I had kind of what was the onset of some, some pain that um, was eventually the reason we had to leave Tajikistan. But, but once I was no longer able to play, my language had progressed to the point where I could start coaching. And um, so that was a neat experience to then, you know, coach in a foreign land, in a foreign language. Um, And, uh, and then one of, one of the players that was on the team was pretty high up within the football federation and so, so doors just kept kind of opening in that we started a, we started a, uh, goalkeeping kind of academy, um, which again was continued after I, I left. And so I had just very little to do in terms of beginning some of these things. And we got a grant from the Jordanian, uh, was it the Jordanian president, um, uh, he ended up applying to be FIFA's new president hmm. and he had a, he had some outreach stuff for, for growing football for, for girls. And so we started some tournaments there. And then eventually I started into having a role with the national team, which was just at, just before, um, we had to leave, but, but really, yeah, I mean, lots of things that were opening and the, and the, the NGO organization that we were work with, working with simultaneously was kind of being closed down. And so it was a unique and really um, strategic opportunity to have my visa through the to Tajikistan Football Federation. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of yeah. micro stories within all of those different, you know, streams. But, um, but yeah, amazing to see, again, the way that, you know, a game opened avenues for relationship and opportunities. 
Yeah, I've I've shared that so many times with with people is that there's so many places in the world where I've been and been blessed to be where I don't know the language, mm-hmm. I don't know the culture, uh, I don't have a friend for miles around, <laughs> right. and I drop this sphere uh, on the ground, uh, call the football in the yeah. world or a soccer ball, and all of a sudden um, things change, and there's a language spoken. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an unspoken, it's a played language that, right. that builds and breaks down so many barriers and walls and um, is really a powerful tool. So really cool to hear uh, how those doors opened and and, uh, and, and a, what an amazing story. I, I think, Troy, we're going to have to have you back on and get more into some of those micro stories, as, <laughs> as you call it. But I don't want to leave Ben on the sidelines here. So um, how did you guys meet? Uh, Troy, you, you came back from Tajikistan back to the Portland area. Um, how did you guys talk a little bit about that first meeting, getting to know each other and, and how did, how did your roles within, um, serving the Portland Timbers as co-chaplains, how did that begin to emerge? Well, Troy grew up with uh, a a mutual friend of ours, a guy named Ben Sand, who I got to know through nonprofit work in the city of Portland. And one day Ben called me up and he said, Hey, you got to meet my buddy, Troy. He played for the Timbers and he's in Tajikistan and you need to come over. He's in town. Um, let's get coffee. And so, um, I was like, that's awesome. So we went and I, in fact, I'd remember reading an article the Timbers had posted on their website about Troy being over in Tajikistan doing soccer stuff. And, um, and so I was like excited to meet him um, I'd only been working and serving as a chaplain for maybe a year and a half or two years at this point, whenever um, I got them. And so Troy was in town. We went and had coffee and just had a really great conversation. And then, um, Troy, do you think it was maybe a year later after that that you guys moved back? Yeah, probably a year to two years after that. Okay. And then after that um, – uh, Troy, I'll let you tell the story because it's kind of funny. Uh, I'd love to hear your side of it, and then I'll tell you what my side of it was. But um, <laughs> when you came back and went to meet with Gavin, like that—that'd be pretty funny to hear. You'll—you'll you'll let me tell the fanciful, fanciful. <laughs> I don't know what the right right word is. The, and then and then Ben will set the story. Fan, what is the word? Fanciful, yeah, uh, that's, that's fanciful. a good term. Fanc- the fanciful version, and then Ben can set the well, story. Well, word of the straight. day. Um. Word of the day, you know, is that fanciful? Just briefly, a, um, a quick side story. Uh, when During the times we came back twice uh, in the four years that we, that we were calling Tajikistan home, and um, Ben had mentioned this, an article that was published um, that the Timbers wrote about my work there, but credit to Portland and to Gavin, who was who my coach, during the seasons that I played with the team, they, they were so gracious. Uh, whenever I came, came back, um, you know, to come certainly watch games and, and see the development of the club, but also to send me back with, with different jerseys and equipment for, um, for not only our, our, the pro team, but also all of the kind of the, 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 the development teams within our, within our, within our club in box. And, um, 
but you have to understand there's, you know, there's only two flights into Tajikistan each week at that point, And they'll charge you an arm and a leg for every single bag that you bring. And so while I was super thankful for all that the timbers were giving me, I was like, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to get all of this stuff in? And so on one of the, on one of the ways, ways back, um, I had just come back, not Jenny. And, um, and so I'm like, the only way to swing this is to literally wear 35 pairs of shorts, oh my 35 God. shirts, <laughs> and then bring a garbage bag. You know, after I get through security, take it all off, put it in the garbage bag, bring it onto the plane. And so, you know, it's Portland to New York, New York to Riga, Latvia, there to Turkey, then Turkey to Tajikistan, you know, so it's multiple stops. And, at one point I was in, um, I was in Latvia and I, I was just, you know, I put everything back on and I got through security and I'm sweating, you know, I've got all this stuff on. I look like, you know, just this <laughs> massive marshmallow. And, uh, and so beeline to, to the bathroom, I'm in a stall. And instead of just taking one by one off, I was so hot that I reached behind my back to pull, to pull them all off. And I got stuck somehow, like in the midst of, you know, all these shirts. <laughs> and so I'm struggling in the stall in Latvia thinking I'm going to, I'm going to suffocate and die from wearing all this gear and you know, <laughs> getting caught in a, in a bathroom stall. So anyways, um, again, my, oh, to my see the headline, to oh, see the totally. headline there. Yeah. Yeah. American, been American a- suffocates in soccer gear in <laughs> Latvia stall. <laughs> That's the headline right there. But, uh, but yeah, my, my Tajik was good enough by the time I got back that, oh man, the, the players were just rolling when I told them what I had to do to, to bring these, you know, shirts and jerseys and things. I knew you were going to tell that story and I had to put myself on mute because I started laughing out loud. Like anytime (laughs) I get sad in life, I just think about you (laughs) with the jersey soundtrack. Oh, yeah. that's so good. Oh. So good. Yeah. Well, I, I, I who, can who thinks you. about that? Who who comes up with that idea in the first place? Like, oh, I got it. Well, I'll wear it all. You know, you know me well enough, Ben, to know. I'll I save, know. I'll save a dime anywhere I go. So that that was probably the key motivator. Uh, and and I wonder if there was a Southwest Airlines rep that saw you <laughs> at some point and created a commercial for their own airline. With with uh, putting on that much <laughs> much clothing just right. to save a buck on baggage fees. Oh. That's right. That's right. So back to the point. Um, yeah, when I had met Ben a few years earlier, I was just so encouraged. You know, having having been a player and and desiring to see my teammates and those that I was interacting with um, witness, hopefully Jesus on display through my life, and so you know, then launching to go to Tajikistan and hearing from our mutual friend that here's this guy that has stepped in and is loving on and continuing to serve the club and meeting with players and praying, you know, I, I think I remember even hearing, you know, Ben being aware that I'd been on the team and launched, you know, hearing that he was praying for me. It was just such a, such an honor to, to sit with him, meet, meet him, hear the ongoing work, and so, um, so yeah, when I, when I came back, you know, Ben was, Ben was doing everything that he could in terms of the ex- 
accessibility that he was that he had through the club. But um, you know, to some extent, at that point, he was he was just an outsider. Gavin or others didn't know him, um, and so it was. I think I think helpful for me having been a you know a player under Gavin who knew I I was a Jesus follower, um, but was you know a a great teammate and representative of the club both on the field and in the community. Um, to then to then also say you know and and just affirm the work that Ben had done and his reputation with the players to then ask for some further official kind of inroads um, within the organization. And so it was a, it was a no brainer for, well, I, I hope it was a no brainer for Gavin to say, look, I trust you. And if you trust and, and you know what, what Ben has been doing, you guys are more than welcome. And, and I think year after year, there's just been further trust built, further opportunities that, that continue to surface. So, so that's my recollection. Ben, now, now you can uh, set the story yeah. straight or, or refine well, what. No, I mean, <laughs> I just remember getting a call one day uh, from you and I was so excited to hear from you. And the background on what had been going on in my life is I was running this nonprofit called AC Portland. We were doing after school soccer programming with U S soccer foundation and America scores and I, I mean, I had to, I had to step in and take this over, try to raise money. And I was, and I had a two and a half year old at the time. And I think a baby on the way. And my wife was the second pregnancy was really hard. And so I was taking my two and a half year old with me to work every day. And it was just like, and then I was trying to do the chapel and stuff. And I was just feeling like overwhelmed and I didn't know how I was going to keep going to hold it all together. And so I'd really been praying for like a, like a teammate. I just felt like kind of isolated in Portland. Like I needed some, a teammate and I wasn't sure what that meant at the time, but then I got a call from you out of blue and you're like, Ben, this is Troy Reedy. I think you remember meeting me. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Troy, it's great to hear from you. And you're like, just one from the beginning. Don't like, I hope this is okay. I took a chance. If this isn't what you want to do, it's okay. Like you were just like overly, qualifying like what you were about to tell me from the beginning like okay just get ready I got some news but don't like it's okay if you don't want to do this and you're like hey I talked to Gavin and and he basically said if if we partner to do the chaplain stuff then we can have um access to practice and to you know to the games and those kind of things and and I just almost burst into tears I was just like overwhelmed Mm. with joy not so much so that access was all of a sudden given, although that was something that Brad and I had been praying for mm, and yeah. excited about, but just that I got a teammate because I, yeah. I just had really felt like I, I was not going to be able to continue to do it all, you know? And, um, and so it was just like instantly, yes, let's do it. Like, mm. yes. Like I, you know, and, um, so it was really, it was really cool to, to get that, have that moment and I'll, you know, um, and then, you know, I think the thing that's been, been so great is just Troy and I, I think we um, both are in it for the right reasons. And so mm. there's never been one ounce of um, conflict or jealousy or jockeying for who's the 
point person or whatever. Like we're both just like, we're in this together and it's just, it's been beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, Ben, you kind of mentioned it. We, we had been praying about it way back when, and, uh, and it's a huge value for me. And for those of us at soccer chaplains United, just to, to realize and be part of a team that, that are providing care for the people that we get to serve. And, I've seen it a lot of times in sports chaplaincy, even in healthcare and in military chaplaincy settings, where a solo chaplain kind of develops a bit of a messiah complex. They think they're they're all that, they're the end all be all. And so it really helps to work in tandem. And one of the things I love about you guys and, and the way you serve together is just the way that you you serve one another and no one's no one's in front. No one's um now now, when it comes to fishing, right, there, there's some rights and, and some placement that we, we claim and call in that. But um, in terms of the chaplaincy, uh, you guys serve each other. And I think that service is a great example to the athletes and, and the coaches and the staff members that uh, you're an example to as well. So um, I'm curious, though, it, it's nice to say co-chaplain and, and you've given us a little bit of a flavor, but how exactly does it work? Are you guys... Are you guys like Lone Ranger and Tonto or Laurel and Hardy or Bert and Ernie or are you Frodo and Sam or Thelma and Louise? Like share with us a little bit about how you work together practically and what your partnership and co-chaplaincy looks like. Troy does you all the do work that? and I take all the, oh, I take all the credit. It's <laughs> kind of how we try to do it. Yeah. Uh, why don't you share, why don't you share and I'll add on to any, anything you want, anything that you may have missed. Sure. I, I don't know if, I don't think we're filming Louise, but I, you know, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Um, so I don't know exactly who to compare us to, but um, he, I, I think Troy does a really good job. He's, of, um, he, he, you know how he was talking about, he was the kid in kindergarten who um, got up and had like a workout regimen and was just like, disciplined and and i've seen that with troy in anything he does so he's started to want to get better at the guitar and and he's like advanced quickly because he's put his mind to it he wanted to learn like be better at singing so he took voice lessons and he's like practices in this car and and so everything he does he just does with excellence and so one of the things that's been really nice is he's very organized and so troy does a great job of of keeping up with making sure we're um, reaching out consistently and scheduling things with the players and paying attention to their schedules. And so, um, and, and that's great because it allows me to, I trust that he's got it. <laughs> he, he's going to keep us going. And, um, and so uh, that's been really nice because that's probably not my stream. Um, and then, yeah. Um, when we are together, I think we, we sometimes will take turns with kind of who's leading the session. Um, and a lot of it is just getting our, our, our athletes an opportunity to share and, and listen to what's going on in their lives. Like I, ta- I mentioned and talked about on the last podcast, I think Brad, but as far as just how we work together, I mean, I think if one of us is uh, like on game days, you know, we both have families and we have young kids. And so we just don't, we're just not able to make every single match. Um, we could, but there's no reason to, because we can lean on each other. So that's also nice just to be in communication with one another, 
uh, and our, our Spanish speaking interpreter, Angel, um, just to, to be able to rely on each other and say, Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it this week. Okay. I got it. I'll cover it. Um, and, and we just take care of each other that way. Yeah. I, I agree with everything he's saying. There's the, there's the practicalities that really are a gift. You know, I've got three fairly young boys, Ben's got young kids and, um, and so, yeah, being able to sometimes just cover and share, share the, the load. We, I, we do most things together, but it is really helpful to feel like if I can't make it, the players are still being served and vice versa. And, um, and then there's the, you know, I think just as is the case, you know, with different individuals, there's different strengths and there's different ways that, you know, Ben's background with something may resonate more with one player, whereas mine may resonate more. And, and just, you know, it just brings a, 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 an added diversity to the, to the community and whatever group, um, you know, that, that we have to serve on the year. Um, yeah, I think it just, it, it enriches the, um, the environment. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, of some of the biblical partnerships that you hear about, maybe like a, a Paul and Barnabas and, and some of those others who, you know, they kind of forage these new paths into a into a new world and, and work together. And, you know, yeah, sure, had differences at times, but, um, you know, I've even seen and experienced that myself when I've when I've been out to be with you guys and, and spend time with you and, and uh, the the fellowship between the two of you and your families is, is sweet to see. And, and those are things that uh, are, are real gifts along the way. And um, it's been neat to see just even how, um, I mean, you guys, <laughs> I remember uh, a couple hotel visits where you guys brought your, your guitars and, and, and your music and uh, man, just were, <laughs> were uh, it, it was, it created those special moments, those special memories. And uh, it's exciting to see both kind of, grow in that grow together and and continue growing serving serving the team now i I, stop can i interject really quick just before you take a tangent i i as i as i was communicating i wanted also brad to just affirm you i know so much of the work that you do is to be a resource to be a sounding board to pray with and for you know those that are doing it on their own. And, um, and so, you know, we, we still benefit from, from your role in our lives and ministry, but I think, you know, that's Ben and I are able in many ways to do that for one another. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for a, what you contribute to us, um, even though we have that, but certainly to the many chaplains that you Mm -hmm. serve that, that you are able to do that for that are, you know, don't have people to bounce things off of and don't, you know, so anyways, just to, I just wanted to affirm you in that. Oh, I appreciate that, Troy. And, and, and good timing because I was just about to mention our fishing trip that happened the last time we were out. And so um, I'm just going to tell it from my perspective, but so Ben and Troy, myself, we all, we all enjoy a little fly fishing. Um, I think it's debatable who's, who's better than who. But um, these guys take me uh, this beautiful river. Um, I, I don't even remember. What was the name of the river, guys? The Clackamas River. The Clackamas. Okay. 
beautiful, beautiful spot. And we, we developed this little, this little game, this little system. And we're like, you know, there's going to be a trophy for the, for the guy who catches the first fish. And then there's going to be a trophy for the guy who catches the most fish and a trophy for the guy who catches the biggest fish. And we're going to, you know, if, if you take two of the categories, like you're King Fisherman. And so we're all trying to get out. We're all trying to get in the river quickly. And sure enough, Troy's out, grabs the first fish. And it is the smallest <laughs> minnow I've ever seen. <laughs> I think the fly was larger than the fish itself. <laughs> it must have been. But, yeah. but to your credit, you caught the first fish. So here I am unfamiliar territory, unfamiliar river. And I'm just like, these guys are going to put me to shame. I'm already down one of the three categories that I might be able to get into. And so we just keep working, working the stretch of river. And, um, you know, sure enough, I'm like, okay, the flies that I use in Colorado are actually working here. Like that, it was good. And uh, my number count started to go up a little bit, but I was nervous because I think Ben and I were, were uh, starting to compete and, and Troy already had that head start. So then, Ben's like working this deep, deep pool and I'm, I'm jealous. I'm a little jealous. And he's like, Hey, come over here. I'll, I'll share, I'll share being all gentle. But, uh, sure enough, Ben lands, it's like king size fish. What, what was it, Ben? It must've been 18 or 20 inches, something like that. Wasn't it? Or was it even 30, longer? 40? No, oh, you're I, a liar. Um, true fish. There's a part, I gotta, I gotta give credit. There's a part of the story that's gotta be edited. So you were upstream and Troy was working the deep part of the water and sees the big fish. He's like, man, this is great. But I think maybe it's fly came off or he was just being Troy and being like, Hey Ben, why don't you come over to this awesome fish? Oh. Hole that looks like the best one in the whole state. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, let me try. And I wasn't over there a minute before I land like, you know, Willie, I mean, it, it was, was like fish. the biggest. Yeah, it was fish. a good fish. It was a fish. It was a real fish. It was probably that's I don't the know, thing. 15 is to 18 inches. Yeah, yeah. But most of them are tiny, and so we we have this on video, um, and yeah, there's very few like real fish in there. But when he when Ben's got it on, and it's actually bending the pole, and he's having to fight a little bit, I'm sitting there shouting, "That's a real fish! That's a real <laughs> fish!" <laughs> oh yeah and 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 i thanks thanks for the clarification ben because i do remember there was an invitation to me to also come back to the pool but being upstream and i had climbed across like some huge right amount of of just tree and limber fall and and and, and i was there's no way i was hiking back i was like i am not taking my line out of the water to go try and then of course ben you you had that fish in so short of a time so so it, it felt good to me i i did i forget how many fish were that day but i think it was 15 or 16 and i narrowly took uh the the greatest number of fish yeah so um so fair fairness to all of us right you know we'll have to go back out again and and see who could be king fisherman but uh that was Although you uh, said really... there was a trophy there was a trophy for each category i i haven't received my trophy have you been I, no, I am still waiting on that trophy. They're yeah, still correct. being custom made, guys. Still well, being custom made. <laughs> we're, you know, here in here in here in Portland, we're just pulling in so many trophies. So I guess. Oh my god. We can go without. We can oh, go without the fish. What a good, what a good segue into Timbers <laughs> uh, winning MLS is back now. 
Troy, I don't know. Ben's probably shared this with you, but I remember Ben looking me in the eye. I think it was 2010 after we, of course, won our trophy. And Ben goes, Brad, I'm telling you, Portland will win a trophy within five years of coming into MLS. Uh And he had made this bold, prophetic prediction. And and he said some other things, too, like, in fact, we're going to win, like, eight trophies in our first ten years or something like that. No, no, Um, no. You made some radical claim. I forget what it was. But to be fair, you guys won last week. You won MLS's back, which came with some hardware. It came with, what, a million-dollar prize and a Champions League spot. Is that right? And... Tell me about it. How did the team feel about winning that? I've heard a little scuttlebutt around the league from players, especially, who were like, ah, this isn't a legit tourney because not every team participated. And and I think really it's a little bit of sore loser. I don't don't think it's really. But but tell me from – from your guys' perspective, from, from the players and the, and the front office perspective, how did it feel for the Timbers winning uh, sort of this COVID bubble tournament down in Orlando this year? Well, <clears throat> I would say, yes, there's truth. Not every team was in the tournament, but really you're just saying minus, minus two teams. And so, um, yeah, I, especially going into the tournament when – that was at that point foreseeably and potentially the season that was going to take place. You can't tell me that not every team was going to, you know, give it their all to win the tournament, you know, instead of, well, this is some side thing. Let's, let's save our legs for the real season. No, that it was what was, it was what was before them. And every team's going to, you know, give it their best to, to win it. Now, is it, is it the MLS championship? No, it's different. It's a tournament, but it's a, you know, it'd be like saying in some ways that the world cup isn't, you know, isn't a valid representation or a valid trophy because it's only a month long knockout, you know, tournament. So I think, you know, from my perspective, my opinion is, um, yeah, it's a meaning, it's a meaningful, trophy it's a meaningful you know effort that that the player staff and all you know those that are involved put in and and um and as everyone is hoping that this is the one and only time that an MLS's back tournament will take place um you know it's a it's a trophy that nobody else is ever going to have so that's yeah, kind of pretty unique special. as well pretty special yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ben, from your and perspective. I, all I was going to add is that um, these players were away from their families for over a month. And living in this bubble, that was not an idea. Like, they, their needs were taken mm-hmm. care of, but, you know, they're just sitting around all the time other than training. And so I think what made it feel so special, and I'm not one of the players, but I I mean, I can just imagine it's like, to have to sacrifice and go through that weird bubble life to be able to come out at the end of that with the accomplishment of winning probably felt really great. And so from that perspective, I think it's pretty special. Um, and I, I guarantee you that um, every player in the MLS, if they had, had, had could have raised that trophy would feel the same way. And so um 
yeah, I, the the tournament was totally a legit tournament and it's a legit trophy and we got it. And we we're the only ones that'll ever have it. Cause I don't think there'll ever be another COVID cup. Um, Lord willing, like Lord help us if there is like, um, so we, we're, we're the champs and you can't take that away from us. For sure. Well, congratulations to you guys. And, uh, please, please pass on to the guys and the people that I know there. Congratulations for winning that. And, uh, it's, it's great to, I, I don't know, maybe for me, there's a little bit of like, yeah, that's a soccer chaplains United team. We just, uh, yeah, that they won. Um, so there's a little bit of pride that uh, can creep in a little bit, but, um, I, I wanted to ask you guys too, uh, MLS season resumes with phase one. Uh, so we're going to see, uh, about six games go on for teams as, as sort of the season kicks back up on Sunday and, or actually, I think it kicks up back for some teams on Friday. You guys face Seattle. Is that Portland's biggest rival club? Or, or in your opinion, which MLS club is the biggest rival for the Timbers? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it's without a doubt. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And is that because Troy turned the Sounders down originally? <laughs> I mean... Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I'm sure all of the analysts, and, and writers would look back to that day and say that's when it all started. <laughs> well, on the Chaplin side, we certainly would. But uh, what what makes the rivalry with Seattle as such? What what creates that? Or can you guys share with us a little bit? Give us a little bit of insight into why Seattle and Portland, uh, the Sounders and Timbers, have that particular rivalry uh, amongst themselves. Well, you got proximity of, of location, you know. Um, they both were a part of the the league back in the early seventies when, when it started, uh, when, before MLS. And I can't ever remember the name of the league back then. Um, the A-League. Yeah. What, no, yeah, way back that, when yeah. I think it was no, NA, NASL. Yeah. NASL. Yeah. But wasn't, yeah. so NASL, um, and just had a, you know, a rivalry and, and there's some, um, there's all kinds of people who've written about the rivalry. And, and then I think when Portland came into the league, um, you know, it was a fun way to stoke the rivalry. We, we Merritt bought a billboard in Seattle, right. You know, outside of the stadium, like, um, you know, talking about the timbers and, and just kind of, it's just, it's fun to have rivals in sports and, and Seattle's just hands down ours. We, we like to talk about how Portland has fans and Seattle has customers um, and I think a lot of that has to do with like when, when we were in the USL, we were having like 13 or 14,000 people attend our matches and they were having like three or 4,000 until they became an MLS team. And then they, um, the story that I heard was that they worked the deal and they sold their tickets in conjunction with the Seahawks ticket package and a bunch of people showed up for the first match. And then all of a sudden everybody's talking about how they have 30, 40,000 people at their matches. Um, and and we had already we were already you know having huge turnout before we became a major league team and and so you know it's kind of some of the fun things that Portlanders like to talk about but um, you know on a professional level as um, my job with the positive coach lines I I have the honor and privilege to work with the Timbers and the Sounders I I get to work with the the Sounders as well and and I can tell you they're they're first class organization amazing people and 
And so it's, but, but on the field, it's a super fun rivalry to have. Yeah, I know that's true. I, I've got a lot of friends and former Rapids guys that are, that are part of the Sounders organization and they are a class act. And, uh, but it, it's fun, I think, for the fans to have that kind of uh, rivalry spirit. And, um, well, you guys know that being chaplains in football, as long as you have, um, you know, as, it, as chaplains, we often are in this uh, place of, almost neutrality you guys mentioned being fans and of course i'm a i'm a fan of the rapids as well but um in in the neutral role that a chaplain can have we we provide somewhat of a stabilizing presence and force because you know results don't always go the way a a team wants it to or or work so hard toward i know you know for us for the rapids we wanted to do so much better in the tournament and we felt like we were on a great great start to our season so to have to have our three games was kind of tough and, and, and difficult, but, um, you know, I'm curious for you guys, you know, for me being around the Rapids for, I don't know, 20 plus years, there seems to be these different moments when I notice that, that the Rapids go through either a slump or they have a bit of a winning streak. And, and sometimes I notice elsewhere in the league and other leagues as well, trends and patterns where maybe it's a particular team or a particular manager, but, you know, some teams come flying out of the gate. I, I remember Dallas for years. They would they would they would win like their first like ten games. They go like undefeated, and then they really struggled through the rest of the year. Um, it seemed to be a pattern. Um, Rapids, we we've seen have our own little pattern where we have a, a mid summer or late summer slump, and but then then you know maybe we go on win win a bunch of games and start to build up this momentum for the playoffs. So. I'm curious for you guys in in looking at Portland, maybe either as fan or chaplain, is there a typical rhythm that you've seen for Portland that, you know, maybe coming off this win from the the tourney, are they going to, are they going to struggle a little bit getting back into like a regular season mode and, 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 you know, being home now around family, having sort of the daily training. Um, Maybe it's, it's some of the turmoil going on in Portland right now. Are some of those things going to disrupt the rhythm and, and, and what Portland's achieved already? Or what do you guys anticipate for, for the Timbers for the rest of the season? Well, I don't think either Ben or I are necessarily experts on, on that, but I do. <laughs> one of my, one of my <clears throat> jobs, I am a collegiate coach as well. So in as much as you know, I, I'm involved with the club from a service on the spiritual side of things, there's, there's also, you know, a a joy to, um, to grow in that, in that profession and, and kind of analyze how the coaching staff are running sessions or viewing different stretches of, of the season. And so, you know, Portland's been unique in the last few years as they've had this massive stadium renovation where the first i don't know 12 games ish of the last two seasons they're on the road and so you know is it any wonder that you know there's a slow start you know so so those there's probably lots of factors that play into that sure Um, sure i think you know i think what my observation you know of of geo as a coach is um i mean early on i was i was pretty um pretty shocked but also impressed at how um at how much tinkering he would do 
both within the lineup in terms of personnel, but also in terms of the system, you know, and part of, part of, uh, part of what led them to the 2018 MLS final was they went for a stretch of that season with this kind of just unconventional Christmas tree, you know, Mm -hmm. formation that led them to, you know, a series of results. And then they were able to shift again and, and, um, you know, that was evident as well within the tournament in knowing, you know, they won in a, they won in a variety of ways, um, sometimes sitting in such a low block, sometimes, you know, totally relying on, on the counter. Sometimes they did out possess the opponent and then, you know, and then in the final to have, to have the two winning goals from set piece opportunities and your two center backs or the goal scores, you know, there's just a wide variety of ways that they were able to win. So, you know, from a coaching standpoint, um, to me, it seems like he, he continues, the staff continues, the players continue to figure out for the season, you know, they, they played more games now than any, than any of the other teams. So, and then they head straight into a big rivalry match. So, you know, it seems like they have a, they have a good pulse on, for the next game at hand or the tournament they're in or the stretch of games, how do we play in the way that's going to give us the best chance to win? And I, you know, you'd have to say they're doing a good job of finding that target. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think for so many other clubs that, you know, I don't, I don't think we've played a meaningful game now for a month after uh, almost after leaving the tourney before we face our rival uh, Salt Lake uh, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, how do you, of course, you know, there's, there's a professionalism to it, but at the end of the day, it's, it's that flow and rhythm of training and games and other things that help, help build you up and get your, your sharpness and your, you know, mm-hmm. what's known as match fitness. Um, keeping those things is, is key. So it's going to be, um, you know, that's, that's another maybe side benefit to, to Portland doing so well and going so far in the tournament is, is they're going to maintain that, uh, that game integrity that they're going to is going to probably propel them further on into the, into the season. And, and I guess as a Rapids fan myself, I'm just kind of glad that those games didn't count toward the regular season. And I think we're still uh, above you guys in terms of uh, points, but um, we'll, we'll see how that all unfolds here uh, this next week weekend. So, Mm -hmm. well, Troy and Ben, thank you guys so much for taking the time today to come on to the podcast and, and Troy, I wonder if you would just close us out in prayer, unless Ben, you've got anything final you wanted to add. Um, I just want to do have just one, one more thing to add, Brad, the um, first three games of the tournament did count toward the standing. So just to clarify, we are above you in the table. We're at third. You're at third. Just to make sure on the record, I want to make this. I want to keep you honest, Brad. I just want to make sure everybody was aware. That, don't um, don't forget, Ben. I can we, I can edit this podcast. We can uh, take this <laughs> element out. Uh, I don't like to be seen as wrong. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, that's great. I, I'm happy for you. I, I guess what I was saying was I'm glad we're still fighting for a playoff spot. I think we're yeah. at seven right now at the bottom uh, or it, it, at the bottom of the playoff seating. So, uh, but congratulations to you guys. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, Troy, would you, would you mind praying for us? And, 
And I'd love it too if if you wouldn't mind praying in English and Tajik. Um, mm. I, is that correct to say it Tajik? Is that the that was much closer Tajik? Okay, Tajik. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow in this. But you are. Troy, You're there. Troy, would you pray kind of for the remainder of the MLS season as it kicks mm. off in market this weekend? And and would you also continue to pray for sort of the turmoil and unrest that's going on in the city of Portland with with demonstrations and such, and, and, and pray too for the timbers and, and anything else God puts on your heart and mind. Mm. Yeah, I'll pray for some of those things uh, with, with uh, in English as I can articulate better. But yeah, I'll, I'll start in Tajik and then flow, flow into English. Thank you. Chudovan tu bzur kasti vasazavori jalo. Minat dorastem ki az dasti tu salamat medihi, zinda medihi va mehrubon medihi. Biguzor ki hamai Portland Timbers va hamai Bozingarondar MLS Isa Almase mebinand. Zinda i pur dar dasti tu dar nomi Isa Almasi. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you for your great grace your great love, which extends to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and to every people, to every player, to every club, to every staff member, um, and that you long to reveal the glory of your son, Jesus. I ask that you would give grace and wisdom and favor to all the chaplains that oversee the clubs that you'd give increasing inroads um, into lives, into hearts, into opportunities to serve and to be a blessing. And um, we give you thanks for the safety and the opportunity for these players to play for the, for the uh, bubble that, that worked really well and now asks for your protection um, and your continued favor to um, enable these, guys to continue on with the season. Lord, we pray for our city and um, for the continuing of, of unrest and, and um, both, both the, the grief that, um, that lingers in terms of oppression and also the anger that has surfaced. And we ask, um, Lord, e- even sometimes not knowing what it will look like and how it all how it all flushes itself out but we ask for your kingdom to come and your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven thank you for the uh, for the joy of being called your son and may we continue to walk alongside of others as they um, as they see you pray this in jesus name amen 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 well this is red brad Ben Dudley and Troy Reedy coming to you from the touchline.